Welcome back to a very special episode of the Unconventionalist podcast. I'm your host, Mark DeRoost, and today I cannot wait to let you know that this is official book launch day of my new book, Glow in the Dark, how sharing your personal story can transform your business and change your life. It's hitting bookstores nationwide. It's available wherever you get your books, but I'm going to tell you a little bit more why today I would love for you to buy my book from amazon.co.uk to help glow in the dark, my new book baby, to hit the bestsellers list. And I'll, I'll dive into that and so much more, how you can help. I'm going to give you some juicy giveaways and bonuses to thank you for your support. But really today, I wanted to celebrate this journey with you because you've been with me maybe from the beginning when I first launched my first episode in 2000 in the summer of 2015, maybe all the way till present where maybe you've missed this show, maybe you've not missed this show, but hopefully you did a little bit. I know I've missed you and I've missed jumping back in the seat and I've just been so busy dedicating my time and energy and resources to try and wrap up this book. It's been 10 times harder. It took me 10 times longer and I had to jump through 10 times more hoops than I ever expected when I embarked on this journey for the first time in 2019. And really today I want to, I want to share a bit more about that journey with you because one of the questions I've been asked recently on podcasts is tell us a bit more about how you came about to write and, and want to share this book with the world. And every time I've only got a few minutes or a few seconds right to answer that question. And I wanted to give this journey justice because maybe you too have got a book inside of you that's waiting to be written or there's a story inside of you for sure that's waiting to be told. And, and I hope my book and I know my book is going to help you with that process. But it'd be it'd be almost like cheating of me to make you think that this was a simple process and I just had a book idea, wrote it and then published it and then voila. It actually started back in 2019. And, and just before I jump in this story, I'm also going to give you a little bit of a, of a treat today. I'm going to give you a, a, a snapshot or like an insight into the book trailer, the official book trailer for Glow in the Dark that's going to be hitting my YouTube channel today. And I just wanted to share with you some of the audio of it, but definitely, definitely go and check out the video version too, because my videographer, Ed Espinosa, really helped to create something beautiful. And I'm really, really proud of it. Uh, so go and check that out. If you haven't seen me unpack my book yet at my publishers, Hachette UK, you can do that over on youtube.com forward slash Mark Roos and you'll see it. It's it's the it's currently the the trailer of that channel. But uh, but let me get back back into this because I think a lot of you have been asking, you know, what's this book about? About Why is this book? And you're going to notice today, I'm going to try and find my feet again on this microphone because it's been a while. It's been months since I've jumped back in. So it's interesting. I'm noticing that it feels a little bit harder than usual. It feels like I'm stumbling a bit more. So bear with me as I dust off the cobwebs of my microphone as a podcaster in hopes to share with you my, my why I believe and why I'm so passionate about this project and why I can't wait for you to get a copy in your hands and gift it to someone in your life who, who means something and who you want to see succeed in 2023 and, and, and beyond. So back in 2019, when this first idea of a book came, um, and again, let me just rewind just a little bit. For those of you who don't know, I, I wrote and self-published a book back in 2014. So I started writing in 2013. I published in 2014. Uh, it's called It's Not You, It's Me. And uh, and it was a book about, you know, my journey of how I, I quit a job where I felt unfulfilled to finding my dream job at the, at the Movember Foundation and how I discovered life coaching. And, and it was really like a, a book that I did almost like a tick the box exercise 
like I, I was told, hey, you know, writing a book's the new business card. And if you write that, you're going to get more leads and it's going to get easier to get clients to pay you higher fees. And so I, I did it with that intention and I self-published it. And the truth is, I haven't really spoken about this, but the truth is by the time the book came out on my birthday, actually in May 2014, it was an amazing party. I celebrated my 30th and um, really loved it. I asked every guest to come dressed up as what do they want to be when they grow up? So it was so much fun. But by the time the book came out, I, I, I wasn't really the same person who had, who had started writing that book. And I just didn't really believe in the message anymore. So I didn't do anything with it. I was a bit embarrassed. I didn't really talk about it. Sure, it landed me a couple of... That's how I got a talk at Oxford Side Business School. And it got me, you know, some clients. And I'm grateful for it. But I just never really did anything with it. And I kind of left it on the shelf. So it was... And, and this is an important part of the process. I really wanted to make sure that the next book I wrote, I was genuinely proud of it. So 2019, at that time, I'm focusing my time and energy on trying to give talks in companies around how to better lead and engage millennials in the workplace. And I'm doing quite well. I'm giving talks in big banks and in companies and at conferences. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to write a book to position myself and solidify my position as the go-to expert for how to engage millennials in the workplace, especially in the UK. So that's the kind of the, the first seed that's planted. Come 2020, I then I think I get at some I might get this mixed up the, the timeline, but bear with me. So I think I get contacted at one point by a former guest, um, Philip McKernan, who says, hey, I'm running a workshop on, on how to write a memoir. Would you be interested? And I said, oh, I don't think I want to write a memoir, but I've been thinking about writing a book. And he said, oh, you should, you know, check out this company called Scribe Media with my friend Tucker Max. Um, and I kind of look at it and there was a free online resource, I think, at the time or something like there was a couple of videos where, where Tucker Max, who's been on the podcast, by the way, I'll, I'll put his episode in the show notes as well as well as Phillips. Um, and he kind of talked about, it, and I really liked it. I thought it was, you know, he's, 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 a, he's a kind of a Marmite character, love him or hate him. And he's had some controversial, contra controversial, controversial, controversy. Anyway, controversial stuff in the past. Um, but I actually really learned to respect and, and, and admire Tucker's work ethic and what he's done and what he's created and managed to balance both this kind of uh, deep, deep sense, uh, but also this kind of brute, um, brute strength. So, Anyway, so I'm looking at these videos and then COVID happens. Um, I even sat down, I'm pretty sure I even sat down with like a strategist for a day about like looking at the book content. We mapped out the entire chapters of my book on millennials. And, you know, I thought it was going to be, I, it was, I think it was going to be called like, I don't know, I forgot what it's called, called, but maybe like Storm, you know, how the revolution of snowflakes is coming and what you need to know about it or something like that. Um, and COVID happens. From one day to the next, I kid you not, um, 90% of my business basically shuts down. I was a speaker at the time and all my gigs that I had lined up for 2020, which looked like an amazing year, canceled, not only canceled, but asked for a refund. So it was kind of panic attack. Nobody cared about how to better lead millennials and engage them in a workplace when when you go to a global pandemic, you don't know if you're still going to be operating in six months from time and everybody's going to go and work from home. So I quickly had to pivot and I started giving talks about how to stay productive, connected and optimistic during a, a global pandemic. And that's kind of like how, you know, I survived and enabled to, to, to kind of sell those talks in companies. And I'm really grateful for the clients who kind of, you know, went with it. So I ditched it. and But I'd signed up at the time to do the very first cohort of Scribe Media 
And I think it was called something like a company author program or something like that. I forgot what it is. But they used to, you know, only do in-person workshops. And it was a significant investment at the time. And I couldn't fly it to Texas. And it was just complicated. So they decided during um, lockdown that they would give for free this entire program. And if you haven't checked it out, go and check it out. I'll put it in the show notes. It generally is a really good program. So I did the on-free version of the program. And then they said, look, everyone's been asking us, do you have a follow-up product? We didn't really think about it, but we're going to open up spaces for a few people who are generally serious about writing their book in the next 12 months. And we'll give you some weekly you know, coaching calls. You'll get three one-to-one calls, 30-minute calls with some of our top you know, editors and, and uh, to, to kind of parachute some of the questions you have. And and then in, within 12 months, you're going to write your book, basically. So I signed up to that. Um, and it was it was really, really good. But I also say it was really, really challenging. I think early on, what happened is I had way too many ideas. I think you might relate to this if you've been thinking about writing a book or a nonfiction book. I just had so many ideas I wanted to do. I, you know, I was mapping out all these different potential ideas. And I was really, really struggling. So much so that they give you templates on this program that you can fill out in terms of helping you map out the journey of your reader for your book and, you know, what the book's about, what's the benefit for you, for the reader, all that stuff. I think I did that template like four times for four different books. And this is April 2020. And I jump on a call um, with with Hal Clifford, who is the editor behind the, the mammoth book of David Goggins, You Can't Hurt Me. Um, so someone who's you know, got an amazing experience and has done, you know, really well. And he's he's also the editor of my friend Jody Cook's book, 10-Year Career. And he's also the editor behind the um, book of, um, oh, what is it called? I think it's uh, Love is Free, Guac is Extra. Um, the leader of, uh, um, is it Chipotle or something like that? Anyway, and so I'm having a chat with him and I basically tell him I'm really struggling to figure out what business book idea I should go for. And he says, Something that really stayed with me, he said, look, the problem is that you don't really know what you want to do as a business. And and until you figure that out, you won't know what book to write. And I was like, whoa, that's true. You know, I was in the middle of a transition. I didn't really know what I was going to do. And so I, I, I kind of panicked. So meanwhile, I keep on marinating on this idea of writing a book. I've, I've started to write different drafts. I, I'd written already like 30, 40,000 words for this millennial book, which I had to ditch. And I then had this potential other idea, like how do I help entrepreneurs, business leaders put themselves out there more? especially those who don't like doing so, right? Those who need to do it because of their business, but they just don't enjoy it. Kind of situational extroverts or performing introverts, if you want. And there's like over 70% uh, of that audience in terms of business and entrepreneurship. So it was a big, big crowd. And I've, you know, I, I live with my partner is, was one of them. She, she used to run a business and, 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 and fitted that criteria. Um, and I just wanted to help more people do more good in the world that was kind of where he came and, and those who deserve to be in the spotlight to be seen heard and, and understood so with that vague idea i kind of went off and said maybe i could do a book about personal branding or storytelling and blah 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 and then i came i kind of landed i forgot how on imposter syndrome and um and it kind of seemed like it resonated with people because I, I i recognized that imposter syndrome was a huge huge factor that affected a lot of people you know according to some studies over 80 percent of ceos and entrepreneurs um, who who know they've got something great to share with the world. They know they're really good at what they do. They love working with the people they do. They just really don't like having to talk about themselves in public, on social media, on stages, on panels, on webinars, you name it, right? And I kept on thinking, this is nuts because 
it's so selfish when you think about it because someone somewhere woke up this morning needing to hear your story to not feel alone and to see that you've got a product or service that can solve their problem. So why would you not want to shout and share as, as much as you can? So that question got me thinking about, yeah, I think I'm going to write a book about how to solve imposter syndrome for entrepreneurs and business leaders. And about that time, I had a few friends in my um, around me who were publishing books. Sophie Devonshire uh, is one of them. She's the CEO of the Marketing Society, um, and uh, and she's amazing. And so she kindly said, hey, let me introduce you to my publisher. You might just have a chat, um, and you never know where that's going to go. So she introduced me to Jonathan, and I had a good chat with Jonathan. This was you know, it was kind of very, very early stages um, around it. And I think maybe it, I'm jumping a bit around here because I, I need to, I need to kind of write on my memory. I know that one point I spoke with Lucy Werner, the author of the awesome book, Hype Yourself and the co-author of Brand Yourself with Adrian Chatley. Um, and I chatted with her about how did she get the book deal and talked about it. And she said, look, there's this um, really cool woman called Alison Jones. She runs Practical Inspiration Publishing. And every year, a couple of times a year, she runs this competition for nonfiction um, book proposals. So you go through this 10-day business book proposal where every day they kind of, she gets you to focus on one aspect of a book proposal, right? For example, your bio, who the audience is, who are the different um, comparative books to your, your book and why yours is different and all this kind of stuff that you need in a book proposal. If, for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, it's basically when you go and shop around your book idea to publishers, whether it's you or a literary agent, or also known as a book agent, you need to have a book proposal. It's a little bit like a pitch deck. If you're a startup and you're trying to raise funds, it's very similar. It's it's a mammoth task, but I'll get to that in a second. So we then we then get a conversation with Lucy around, you know, what was the process? She said, yeah, you can check this out. And I looked at it and the way it works is that um, Alison Joan does this program. And I think anyone can benefit from that if you're thinking seriously about trying to get a book out there and even if you don't want to to be honest even if you don't want a book deal if you're not hunting for a book deal i think it's a great method to do just to get clarity on your book it's just going to make you, you a better book for sure um i'll, I'll put the links in, in the show notes as well to that to that program so and at the end she picks a winner right she picks a winner and that winner gets a book deal she offers a book deal to the to the winner of that of that um course if you want so I went in there with no intention whatsoever about going for the book deal. I just went in there for like getting clarity on how did these book deals, uh, how did these um, book proposals work. So I went to the program and I recently talked about this. If you want to listen more about this backstory, I'm going to put the link in the show note to my interview on Alison Jones podcast that just hit this week on Monday. It's called the Extraordinary Business Book Club podcast. And we talk a bit more about that. So I'll put the uh, the link in the show note if you're interested. But I was so sure that I was not going to win a book deal because there were books that were 10 times more exciting and clear than mine. That When she announced the winner on Facebook Live, I wasn't even there. Like, I, I think I was traveling at the time. I thought I'd go and check and congratulate whoever won. And I log back on Facebook and I get tagged. Congratulations, Mark. You know, were, she picked two winners that year. And I was one of them. And... I was just like, what? It was just so weird, so shocked. And she said she was really impressed by, you know, my pitch and especially the marketing aspect of it, how I was going to promote the book. And um, she thought it was a needed book and, and no matter what, it, I'd make I'd make good of it. And so 
I then jumped on a call with her. She, they sent a contract over, went through the contract, and I, and I had a really op open and honest conversation with her and said, look, I really, really appreciate, I don't want to sound ungrateful, I really appreciate the book deal. I just also want to go and shop this book around to see if it's got legs. I know that less than 1% of aspiring authors get published by really big traditional publishing houses, such as, you know, her share, Penguin, HarperCollins, etc. Um, but I want to go. And, and she was amazing. She was like, yeah, 100% go. The book deal will always be on the table. There's no deadline. There's no weird thing. Just go and shop around. If you find something great, it makes makes the program look good because graduates have gone off to get some traditional publishing deals. And if you come back, we'd love to publish you again. So I really, really appreciated Alison's support. I acknowledged her on a podcast too, and I want to acknowledge her here again. Then the next phase, I think I, I kind of talked about it in my newsletter, kind of sent out, this is still 20, yeah, this is still 2020, I think. And I sent out an email to my newsletter saying, hey, I'm thinking about writing a book, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then the incredible David Over, who used to be the marketing director, I think, or marketing manager, um, Penguin, um, Penguin Books. And uh, and he replied to my email because he saw my newsletter and said, hey, uh, I can help. I know how the sausage made. <laughs> and and so I started working with David and, you know, I acknowledged David in my book. I don't, there, there would be no book deal if if there, if David Over hadn't come into my life. I I know it. Um, like, uh, yeah, he, he just was amazing. We sparred. I, I, I could say in the book he was my creative sparring partner because we would we would go back and forth about something, and he kept on pushing the boundaries and telling me like, you know, screw best-selling list. Who gives a crap? Do you want this book to be helpful? You know, blah, blah. like he was just great. He worked on uh, the book Be More Pirate, and uh, it was really inspiring the way that he kind of talked about his passion for for launching books and stuff. So I, I did that with David O for a while. He really, really helped me shape it and, and knock it into something quite good. Then I I didn't want to just, you know, send a, a Word document. So if you if you follow my journey, then you'll know that in 2011, I recorded a video CV when nobody were doing video CVs. I launched it in January 2012 and hit the world by storm. It, became, it went viral. And that's what led me to get my dream job at the November Foundation. Um, so I wanted to do something different. So I actually got a design on Upwork dot com the platform of freelancers to design this almost like a like a book brochure if you want uh, like beautifully designed and uh, Amelia did a great job and so the next step was to you know I, I thought that you need a uh, literary agent which depending on 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 what you're looking for you might need or you might not need I've got published author friends who've got book deals with Penguin who don't have a literary agent. Um, and I know other friends who 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 do. So it it, it it's a case by case uh, basis. But I th you know at the time I was like oh I need to get a literary agent. And I think what I was looking for really was valid validation. If I'm being honest, and I was looking for someone to say yeah your book's got legs and idea let's do it. But either way, so again I go back to my network of of friends and authors saying hey do you know anybody? And again Sophie Devonshire steps up. Um, so that's it. So. But, but before I actually reached out to Literature, I had already had the conversation with um, Jonathan, who honestly, from the get go, was kind of like, yeah, I think this is exciting. I think there's this is a great book. And and I'll, and I'll talk about this tonight at the book launch, I, I think. But it's, you know, what's interesting is I ended up going for a publisher who actually like mirrored what I talked about in my book. Out of all the publishers I talked, and I'll get that in a second, why, why, why that process happens. Jonathan was the first one to kind of tell me the story about John Marie learning and Hachette and really enroll me and, and get me excited about being part of that collective of authors more than any other publishers for sure. So 
Jonathan was all like, yeah, cool. You know, I'm interested. Send me the, send me the book proposal when it's finished and, and let's have a chat and stuff. So I went, I then later on went and found a literary agent who Kissy was, you know, was really excited about the book proposal. She kind of said, it looked amazing. She told me that she thought we we're going to get loads of deals and offers. And this is going to be like, almost like a walk through the park. <laughs> and, um, and then, so she goes off and she starts shopping what they call shopping around the, the book proposal. That means that she goes to her contacts at all the different publishers and just so you understand, if you're looking at traditional publishing model, you've basically got like four, maybe five huge publishers uh, who are like the big dogs of publishing world. So again, you've got Penguin, Hachette, um, HarperCollins, and so forth. Um, and they usually have imprints. So imprints are publishers that they've even bought or launched that represent a very specific audience or readership. So for example, you know, Hachette will have uh, a specific branch on diversity um, equity and belonging, or they'll have a, a special section on, on medical books like education and nonfiction and so forth. So each each major publishing house like Hachette has an imprint, if that makes sense. So John Marie Learning is an imprint of Hachette. But technically, it's all, it, Hachette also belongs, uh, owns Hodder and Sorton, who also owns John Marie Learning. But anyway, just just so you get it, you've got the mother, mother kind of mothership publishing house, and then you've got imprints, right? Um, so you shop around all the different imprints which is bizarre but you it's not like you've, you 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 just pitched all the different imprints right like yellow kites and um penguin life and all this kind of stuff and we we were getting some interest like some people were saying hey I, you know this angle of imposter syndrome from a male's perspective on business is kind of interesting but maybe not now the mark's platform is not big enough like that was a big thing that kept on coming up because i don't have a big platform you know compared to a lot of people I've got, what, 20,000 maybe spread across my social media following, which is peanuts compared to what they used to, you know, half million followers, two, three million followers. And it's it's a money game for publishers. It's like a VC. So they're going to back a company, i.e. an author, who they think is going to have lots of traction if they've got a bigger audience. It's it's I know it's not always the case. You might get a few people who might get a book deal because they've just got a generally really great idea that needs to be heard. But most most likely, it is hard. To, it really, really, really is hard. I want to emphasize that to get a traditional book deal. Uh, less than 1% get it. So we're shopping around. I'm getting a bit disheartened because, you know, we're getting interest. We're getting some, but then it kind of doesn't really tran translate into anything. So eventually, I think, um, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, we had, um, let me think about this. We had Profile, who was interesting. They they published Ryan Holiday. We had, I think it's called Little Brown Bear or something like that, or Brown Bear. I, anyway, th they were interested. And then obviously I already had brought to the table um, the Hachette deal with John Marie Learning and also the Alison Jones practical publishing deal. So I think in the end we had about, yeah, three, three deals on the table. I think that's what it was. And so the next step, once we kind of go, okay, we're going to give deadlines to the people to come back to us. Uh, yeah, you know, a lot of the feedback was like, hey, we love the energy. We think it's great, but it doesn't really make sense. Mark doesn't seem to be an expert on imposter syndrome or the platform's not big enough or it's just not the right time or it's not the right book for us, right? So you've got to keep, you've got to keep going. Um, so this brings us to uh, maybe 2021, maybe. Yes, I'm going to say 2021. And, uh, you know, we're shopping. That's it. So I, 2020 was all about like the foundations. 2021, I think we finished designing and I get the literary agent and we start shopping it around. That's it. And then the next round, you basically jump on a, on a call with producers, um, with producers, with, with publishers. And in a, in a publishing house, you have what we call a, uh, a commissioning editor. 
So a commissioning editor is the person who's responsible for finding new talent or signing up existing talent. And then they usually manage the relationship between the publishing house and the author. And so you, you jump on a call with these commissioning editors and it's like a chemistry call, really. It's a bit like we're about to go in bed together or get married together. Like, how do we feel about this and how we're going to work together and what, what can you bring to the table? What can I bring to the table? It's like an arranged marriage. And I jumped on a few calls and look, you know, people seem, you know, interested or some of the, just, just the way it is. Some people you vibe with more than others. And again, I think the one that stood out was Jonathan, you know, speaking about his passion for John Murray Learning and Hachette and where they see this book and how they could pitch the book. Like he was just, he had, he was just way more aligned on the vision, understood the concept and just was excited. Um, so I decided to go with John Murray Learning. And so I signed, you know, we had to go back and forth. Then this is where I think, because it's a bit unusual. I had already, I already had the book deal. No, I had brought the book deal of Hachette, not my literary agent. But what she did, which I think was really helpful, is that she negotiated for me. So um, I spoke to other authors since. And if you bring a book deal and you bring a literary agent, there are different ways you can negotiate. I didn't know this, but you can basically negotiate the commission fee to a lower fee because you've already brought the deal. Or you can you can pay someone like a fixed fee for them to negotiate and take a percentage of that deal, but not an ongoing deal. So there's different ways you can do it. But for me, just like it was my first published deal. And so I'm grateful Kissy negotiated. So I, I didn't have to take care of that. So there's none of the awkward conversations around back and forth. Um, she negotiates the deals. She tries to get the biggest deal we can and unlocks. Uh, and, and basically, also, we, we have like a, a bonus that if we hit a certain number of book sales in the first 12 months, we unlock a bonus. So she takes 15% of everything I make so from my advance on my book to my commissions. That's kind of what a literary agent takes home. Um, and then I, I'm trying to remember how much my how much I make from my publisher. I think it's like 10%, I want to say. I think I every book sold, I, 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 I take, I touch a 10% royalty. And from that 10%, 15% goes to my literary agent. Does that make sense? Anyway, so though this is part and relevant to the bigger story, so bear with me. We, I signed the contract, I think on the 21st or 23rd of November, 2021. There's a picture somewhere you can find online, but very excited, signed the book deal. And the book deal was like, you need to prov provide a manuscript in like two months. Again, I'm a first time author. I don't know these things. So I'm like, this is probably standard. And I'm like, holy shit. We're now end of November. Christmas season is coming. I'm still juggling clients, business, family, all that stuff. And I've got to produce a book by January. And... Let me tell you, uh, it is not fun because publishers want minimum of sixty to 70,000 words, right? Um, now, I could spend a whole other conversation about why that is. Um, I actually learned that from Tucker, Tucker Max. I thought it was really interesting. He said the reason why most publishers are, are asking for such a... Uh, no, it wasn't Tucker Max. It was a conversation with someone else. It was Rob Fitzpatrick, I think, in his, really, in his how to write like recommendable books or practical books and all that. It's crazy. It's basically because traditional publishers sell to bookstores, airports, book supplies, etc. And if you want your book to stand out on the shelf, there needs to be a thick um, I forgot, book ledge, right? So that your book title can be read. That's why they need 60 to 70,000 words. It's not because it makes a book more readable or more practical. Actually, I would argue that a perfect length for a book is twenty to 30,000 words. And, and you should have like value per page should be much higher than, than traditional publishing. But that's that's my opinion. But either way, um, that was the deal. And I panicked. And I started working with Layla Green from 
um, known publishing. She is awesome. I hired her because I needed someone to have an accountability coach, basically, who would just make sure that every week I would produce a certain number of words, would jump on a call and say, hey, how's the writing going? Here's some thoughts. So I worked with Leia with that, hired her. She was awesome. And um, this is still the book, by the way, about imposter syndrome at this stage. So I'm uh, now deep into writing this imposter syndrome book and that there's something that's off. Something's not right. And I, and I don't know what it is, but I, I'm, I'm writing. Yes, I'm. of course, I'm getting spit roasted by my own saboteurs and my own imposter moments and all this kind of stuff. But it just doesn't feel like this is the book. And I had this dreaded feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm going to write another book, which I'm not going to be proud or, or inspired to share when it comes out. And it kept on nagging at me. And I kept on wrestling with, is this fear or is this reason? Is this deep knowing or is this being driven by some kind of resistance, right? And I really wrestled with that question for a long time. And as time goes by, I'm running out of time and my manuscript is now, you know, I think I wrote, I don't know how many words I wrote by then, like maybe 30, 40, 50,000 words. And it just hits me. I'm like, this isn't the book I want to write. Because yes, I think for sure, like I love talking about imposter syndrome. I think a lot of us may not realize we, we struggle with bouts of imposter at moments, especially when we're trying to have a bigger impact and put ourselves out there and put the work out there that we're doing. But trying to fly under the radar is actually one of the signs, according to Dr. Barry Young, the author of The Secret um, Thoughts of Successful Women. Um, dodgy title, uh, that she, in her own words, but amazing book um, on imposter. She's basically to imposter what Brennan Brown is to vulnerability. And um, and I just, just something wasn't sitting right with me. And I could hear back the echo of people saying, this isn't, you know, Mark's expertise or blah, blah, blah. And I thought about what is the thing that I can talk about, you know, for hours? What is the thing that I'm really passionate about? What's, the, what's been the thread theme throughout my entire life that I can come back to over and over again? And the answer was story. Um, you know, and, and, and I'll talk about this bit more about tonight um, at the launch, but it's, from my youngest memories, I remember just sitting around the table and just hearing stories from my grandparents talking about the war, talking about going to working camps and my grandmother smuggling messages to the resistance and getting tortured and, you know, all these kind of crazy stories. And I remember later on work, working the job where I used to have to interview people for a living to sell advertising spaces in, in newspapers like the Wall Street Journal and the Sunday Telegraph. And I didn't enjoy the selling part, but I loved unpacking people's stories from CEOs to chairmans and government officials i would be fascinated by hearing the stories i remember being in south africa interviewing the ceo of the free trade uh, area in durban and and him telling me the stories of smuggling weapons from mozambique during the apartheid or me being in the taxi driver in south africa um, with the driver and asking like what was it like to to be black in in during the apartheid and and and, and not having a sense of pride being spoken by the government elsewhere and, and hearing the stories of actually our elders our elders reminded us of why we should be proud our elders like all these human stories would just absolutely just fascinate me right absolutely fascinate me and so i needed to find a way to how can i reconnect to that right and so it was just this theme that was just around around storytelling and then obviously launching the podcast but also hearing at november when i used to go around talking about November and having men open up about their journeys. I, I still remember sitting down with a Mo Bro, the name of fundraisers for November, telling me what it was like every time he had to come back with a, with a girl and put his pants down and only had one testicle because he had testicular cancer and fearing the response that he might get. Some might laugh, some might run. 
So I might stay. Like all these stories have always fascinated me. Like, wow, I wish more people could could hear these stories and I wish more people could share the stories to feel less alone as well. And the podcast, that's how it was born. I dive I dive a bit more about this in the book, but you know, I when I when I went to this award ceremony, which I thought was a total fluke where I was invited, I was you know, nominated and listed as one of the top 50 most inspiring people in London, which felt still feels nuts. And I went to this event and turns out everybody else at this event who'd been on the list felt the same way. And so I wanted to record this conversation. That's how the Unconventionist podcast was born in 2015 with 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 the pure idea and principle of, of unpacking people's stories about the ups and downs and the lessons learned from both so people could see the genuine real side of, of struggle when it comes down to pursuing purpose and trying to make a difference. And so once I got that realization, it was really, really hard for me because I had to make a difficult choice. I had to either not tell my publisher and start from scratch and write a whole new book and then deliver like another book and say, surprise, or have a difficult conversation with my publisher risking the book deal. And I think I became, I really connected to this idea of how do I want to feel when I launch my book? Like today, weirdly, I, I connected to this day today when my book is out, when I'm holding the book, how do I want to feel? Do I want to feel proud and excited? Or do I feel a little bit blasé and not too excited about it and the answer was clear right i want to be excited so i actually went in that conversation i sent an email to my publisher saying look we need to have a chat about the book update and uh, i went in that conversation being okay at losing the book deal i would rather lose the book deal than writing the wrong book i'll say that again i would have rather lost the book deal than writing the wrong book so with that energy i went in and i just said look i, I really one thing that I've always been passionate about is hearing people's stories and people in my podcast have shared their stories. I've helped them unpack them, sometimes for the first time. You know, Tony Riddle, um, even Rupi Orjla, by the way, he said that my podcast was one of the first podcasts he came to where he shared a story. Helping these people, entrepreneurs, business leaders, thought leaders, unconventional community leaders, unpack and share the story. I've seen the impact because I've been sitting at this crossroad, right, of hearing people share their stories and the impact that it's had on people hearing them. And I, and I wanted to capture that so that everybody could see the power, both the healing power on the person sharing it, but also on the person hearing it, but also on the transformational impact on the business and the bottom line of people being more engaged, trusting you, liking and knowing you more because you're being more real and authentic with your story. And obviously, it's a difficult conversation. The publisher was like, look, it's never ideal when you know, we <laughs> the book we've bought, because the way it works is that when you get a book deal and you sign, you get an advance. So most most first-time authors actually don't get advances now. They get a higher commission on the book um, or you get a very, very minimal uh, advance um, unless you're like, you know, Michelle Obama or Obama himself, like you, you probably get a seven-figure advance, but it's very, very uh, modest <laughs> advance. Um, you're not going to retire it. And they split into three payments. So the first payment is when you sign the contract. The second tier is when you submit your manuscript. The third and final tier is when your book is published. So they'd already paid my first uh, third of my advance. So it's an advance on your commission, right? Which means that I need to sell a certain number of books before I start touching any commission. So I need to refund the advance they gave me on the forecast of the commissions I'd sell, if that makes sense. Um, so they'd already sold, they'd already given me the one third of my advance and um, I was ready to refund it. You know, I was like, okay, just take it back and I'll just buy the rights back to my book. And because you, you sell the rights to your book, by the way. Um, and, 
And look, he was gracious. And Jonathan said, look, you know, let, let, me, let me think about it. See internally how we feel about it. But I think we trust you and we trust what you think. And, you know, we also signed you as an author, not just, not just the book. So that was a huge relief. And then I got to work and that was brutal because I had to start from scratch. And I ended up, some, I ended up writing about 114, 120,000 words, I think it was. Um, and at this point in time, I now work, I now found an editor, uh, Jason, who was a godsend, um, who, yeah, just awesome. I just love working with Jason. So he, he helped me shape the book from 112, 120,000 words to about 75,000 words. And without a doubt, if anybody's listening to this, so I'm dyslexic, right? So you need, you need, and we're going to go full circle in a second, but I'm dyslexic. I really struggle to, to, to read out loud. I really struggle to, to write at best of time. So writing a book is not my most favorite or natural medium of communication. But um, yeah, Jason really helped. And I think a lot of authors relate to this. It's kind of like working with a great editor is so important because they can turn your mountain of gibberish into, into gold dust. Um, so huge credit goes to Jason to help me shape the book. And then I submit the book on the 14th of February, 2022 on Valentine's day. And I wrote, you know, instead of a rose, I'm sending you a book <laughs> to my, to my man, to my author. Now keep in mind that at this point I'm, I'm nervous because this book is such an extension of my own identity and my own struggle with my own self, because I've struggled with massive bouts of self-doubt and imposter moments and and I've been ashamed of my story for a long time because I was I was bullied at school by my school teachers, made to feel like I wasn't good enough, not lovable, literally humiliated, kneeled in front of the classroom. And things that you just think today would just like, would just not fly. Um, and I was held back a year, which has got a huge stigma in France where I grew up. And then eventually I was kicked out at 16 from conventional education. I was in school with much older kids who, you know, were robbing houses on weekends or selling drugs and and I think I don't think I think I talked about this in the book, but if I didn't, what I learned is beyond all that, there are stories. Like I remember finding the human story in the people I would speak to on the outside, you'd think of criminals and outlaws and so forth. But actually they were the sole provider of their family. You know, the mum had mental health issues, the dad had left, they lived in the council estate, they had nothing to do to, to bring money. So you kind of see the humanity in people instead of just stigma and, and facades. So that was really, really for me, I think, character shaping. Um, and so I hid that for many, many years until I started opening up a bit more my story and I saw the impact that my story had. And I, again, I talk about this in the book and the power of opening up about your story and how you can better connect and engage with people in the right context and in the right way. Um, so I submit the book and then I would say this is where probably the frustration and long process begins in terms of the book writing because I submitted the book and then it's a really, really slow machine. Traditional publishers are like a Titanic. You've got to imagine this huge ship. It takes tremendous amount of time to, to shift or move and a lot of time to get responses. So a lot of frustration going back and forth. And we didn't really have a, a, a publication date originally. It was September. But again, you know, it's difficult to liaise sometimes, get responses. And I don't know. I won't get into it now because there's no, no need for it. But I think about in August, I'm kind of going, hey, what's going on here? Like, we still don't have a publishing day. Um, I thought it was a bit September, like in a few weeks, like what's going on? We still don't, we still have a book cover. That's a whole other conversation. Um, we didn't have a finalized manuscript. We didn't have a, a publishing date. So it was all, it was all about, about mad. And just to give you an idea, most authors, so like, for example, take the likes of Donna Miller, 
starts promoting their books like six months in advance, five months in advance. I ended up having three weeks to promote my book. Um, and and one thing you need to learn and know really early on is that actually it's all on you. Um, you're the, you become, I think Lucy Werner said, wrote a great piece about this, about overnight you become like your own publicist, your, your own self-hypist, like everything. You've got to take on everything, your marketing, branding, you just do everything, right? I had to take on everything. You earn the right to have the badge of Hachette on your book, but you pretty much have to do everything else um, in terms of promoting. And and look, I'm okay with that because I kind of knew it, it going in, but it is it is challenging. So eventually I, I, I get, we managed to finalize the book. We, I'm fast forwarding, I think September. We still don't have a day. We end up having a date. And we lock it in for the 8th of December. And that's it. This I know this about three weeks before, I think or four weeks before. I book in a videographer, Ed, to come in and shoot some content. And I frantically try and get organized with some, uh, also with Nikki doing some videos on this kind of stuff. So the point and the goal, I was, I always aimed to try and go for a Sunday Times bestseller. That was the goal. I thought, you know, why not? Why, why not go for it? Um, the reality is without a marketing budget, without minimum three months of ru of runway, it's just not going to happen. I spoke to at least two or three PR experts, including Lucy and Stephanie Lee, um, all said you need three months, uh, pretty much. Well, L Lucy didn't say you need three months, but she said it, you know, because you, you'll always be launching. Um, so I had three weeks. And so I was like, okay, so what am I going to go for next then? Um, the next best thing is the Amazon number one best-selling bestseller in a category. So, I spoke about this yesterday in the trailer. If you if you listen to the to the trailer, to the trailer yesterday, but the basic fundamental is people who usually go for Amazon number one bestseller lists tend to self-publish and they can manipulate manipulate. You see, I can't even pronounce that word. Manipulate a couple of metrics such as the price of the book, the category in which the book is listed in. So if you have like a ninety nine p book and listed in something really obscure like left handed dyslexic entrepreneur category, then your chances of getting to number one are really high. So I'm not going to do that, again, for two reasons. One of them is I've got a traditional publishing deal, so we're not going to manipulate prices. And also, I don't want my book to be devalued um, like that. I want people to buy it, to pay a price so that they actually read it, because I know it's it's no small investment these days, you know, a 14-pound book. Um, so, and also most likely to recommend it if they read it. So that's also the virality of the book. I hope it'll have a ripple effect. But also, I want to go for like one of the biggest and hardest categories, which is entrepreneurship. Uh, by far, I would say one of the hardest categories out of the categories we're listed in. And uh, I'm taking on the likes of Simon Sinek, Michelle Obama, Stephen Bartlett. Like, they're, they're no jokes, like heavyweight champions of nonfiction books. And I'm basically the David and the Goliath. And, and that's what we're going to try and do. So the way that I've read about or, or heard that we can do it is if we have a collective effort today, um on the 8th of december but if you listen to this at any point please by all means support them buy the book and let me know what you think send leave a rating and review on amazon and and, and let me know uh, send me a dm on you know on instagram linkedin or send me an email to let me know what you think but but if you're listening to this today on the 8th this is how you can help because i've got a lot of people asking me like what can we do to help you know especially if you listen to this podcast for the last seven years um, this is this is the moment where you can really help and support. So the way that we do it is that we basically hack the engine. And the way you hack the engine, from what I understand, is you pick a specific time. So we're going to pick today, 8th of December, 2022, 
from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. GMT. And if the maximum of people can order the maximum number of books during that period of time, then it can propel the book for Amazon to recommend it on its homepage. And that then has a spiral effect and hopefully can push the book, if that makes sense. Um, so it's almost like the way I see it is kind of Star Wars. We've got the Death Star, that's Amazon. <laughs> and uh, hopefully Amazon's algorithm AI can't listen to this podcast and block me before tomorrow at 12 p.m., 1 p.m. So it's like Amazon's the Death Star and all of us and all of you are the fighter pilots trying to get into the, the Death Star and like shooting it from all directions. And some of us have got like one copy, some of us have got like, we're going to order like 100 copies, just attacking it from all different directions. And with that, we can try and create some momentum and a splash and who knows, get glow in the dark to number one bestseller category despite having only have three weeks and only having a small platform um so that's that's the goal that's the crazy goal so if you want to set a timer on on your watch or on your phone right now for 12 p.m gmt and order your book after 12 p.m before one um, that's how you can help at any time any time from now until you know forevermore ordering the book will be a, a huge privilege for me that you you support this book so that's kind of the test but then to say thank you for all your support and to say thanks for everything that you're doing to try and get this book out there. Um, I'm actually going to give away a bunch of cool bonuses and giveaways, including uh, being able to work with me on a one-to-one to unpack your story, but also access to some of my most popular uh, online masterclasses that are worth other, you know, 1300 pounds from how to launch your own podcast to how to be featured on great influential podcasts um, or, you know, even the expert, the mini expert series, all of that and some, um, but also for those of you who are in London, today uh, is my official book launch in central London. I've got some amazing speakers. Dr. Rupi Orgelis coming. Tony Riddle from The Natural Lifestylist is coming. Vanessa Bello from High 15. Guillaume Power from TLC Lions. And Donna O'Toole from August Recognition. There's some of my friends, you know, they're my friends, some of them are clients, some of them are podcast guests, some of them, all of them, all three. And uh, they're going to be talking. It's going to be really exciting. And it's completely sold out. It's sold out, I think, within 48 hours. I've been people like begging me almost for tickets. And I just can't. But I kept two. I've got two two tickets I'm going to give away to you. Um, and here's how, you, here's how you win them. If you want to win the tickets, you need to buy the book between 12 and 1 p.m. today. And you need to submit your screenshot by 2 p.m. today. Because I need to have time to, to run through the, the competition and, and then have someone randomly selected. Um, so I can announce the winner by 3 p.m. so that you've got enough time to get yourself to the to the launch and have all the details that you need. Um, and I, I would love to see you in person. That'd be, that would be so, so cool. So here's how you do it again. You go over to glowinthedarkbook.com, click on the link that will automatically take you to amazon.co.uk, which is where I need you to get the book because that's how we have a centralized attack on the Death Star. Um, and order one book or 100 books or 10 books or five books depending on how many books you order you'll see you'll unlock different bonuses you can get all that on the home page of the website of glowinthedarkbook.com and then take a screenshot of your receipt and send it to me either at mark at the unconventionalist.com or info at the unconventionalist.com and uh, and then i'll announce the winner by uh 3 p.m um basically but then you'll you'll also even if you don't win the two tickets you still win all the other stuff and you get access to all the other bonuses which i'm really excited to share with you i think there'll be some really cool stuff now before i wrap up and i'm, I'm going to share with you a, a clip a small clip of the upcoming book um trailer that's going to be launched right now on my youtube channel which you can go and check out at youtube.com forward slash mark larousse or you can go to glow in the forward slash trailer 
he'll be there as well. Um, but I'm going to give you a little snippet of that. That's how I'm going to end this, this conversation today. But before that, I just want to tell you why. And maybe I should have just started off with that and not bore you with the whole 47 minutes of <laughs> behind the scenes of the book. But when I when I held my book for the first time, when I went to visit Hachette UK, there's a video of that. You can, you can look at it on the YouTube channel as well. But I went to Hachette and to meet the team behind to say thanks. My, my, my commission editor, Jonathan, wasn't there, but I managed to meet a few other people. Who, it was like super impressive, huge building on, on the Thames by an embankment by Blackfriars. And I saw the list of all the other authors who'd been published in the same, you know, publisher, Billy Connolly and, and some of the like legends. And it just felt surreal to walk through the halls and seeing all these different authors. And, and there's a part you go next to the elevator and there's four floors, I think. A full floor, I think, and 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 on each wall of the elevator, there is a, a handwritten, painted names of all the authors they've published since the beginning of time, since you know over the last two hundred, three hundred years, whatever it is. You've got Jane Austen, um, Albert Einstein, um, Sir Byron, like just these incredible names, right? And then Ellie, who takes care of the audiobooks, looked at me and said, "Hey, your name's going to be on there by the end of the year." And that felt so surreal. So they will let you know and you can come and have a look at it. And to be kind of immortalized on the wall of, of Hachette's building um, felt really special. And then we went upstairs and we were shooting some content around. We had like a mock-up, like almost like a fake book, basically. It's like a, a mock, mock of the book just to be able to take some content, take some photos and camera because the book wasn't out yet. And then he disappeared and then she came back and I could see she had in her hands a blue book. And I looked away. And I said, are you, are you, is that what I think it is? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just arrived. It's like the first copy. It just arrived in the warehouse. And I said, don't, don't give it to me. I don't want to see it like that. I need a moment. Like I just, I wanted it to be special. I wanted to capture this moment because I knew there would only be one first time of discovering my book that I've been working for three years that I'd sat down every day on the, on the computer, wrestling with self-doubt. My voice is saying, you suck. You're shit. Nobody cares about what you have to say. All this is bollocks. You're stealing every, everyone else's ideas. Like it was just like these constant barrage of self-doubt. And so I wanted to give it justice. I wanted to give that process justice to those of you who supported me, everyone around me who supported me. Um, and so I sat, I, I asked Ed who was there. I just said, look, stop rolling. And I sat on the couch. I, I grabbed the book and you can see me. Like I, so I discovered the book for the first time. And let me tell you, nothing gets you ready for that feeling. Um, you know, I'm flipping through the pages, I'm spending the book, I can't believe it, it's ecstasy, it's delight, it's joy, but then it hits me, and I realized the the epic mountain that I'd been climbing to get here, and how many people helped me to get there, and I just break it into tears, um, and I think it's because the younger me, the six, seven, eight-year-old me, who was, is and was deeply wounded by my experience at school to be made feel super stupid and inadequate because I couldn't spell, couldn't read out loud, couldn't do maths, to one day hold the book with the very same publisher's logo on my book than the very books I read as a kid who that traumatized me because Hachette is a huge publisher around the world, but in France it's like the most well-known publisher and it's the one that publishes all the school books, was a surreal moment, full circle. And, and I also got moved because I know what this book can do into the world if we, if we can allow it to spread its wings. I used to say to my friend Emily Gindelberger, who's who's also been on the show, that the Trojan horse of my book is healing. And she's the one who pushed me and said, stop making that your Trojan horse, make that your central premise and promise. And so I promise you that you will not be the same person once you finish reading this book. I promise you that. Um, 
it's a book that you know judy who's been reading it says and 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 my best friend natalie who's already read it and gave me a bunch of notes and been amazing and supportive around it they both said what's really unique about this book is that it blends in a unique way both the practical and and the meaningful like the deep and the and the practical stuff right like most books are you have a really almost woohoo self-help self-development and some of them are really business practical this is kind of both i marry both i marry the we we can't get we can, I can't ask you to put yourself out there if we don't first acknowledge the elephant in the room, which is, I'm scared of what people will think of me if I do, I'm scared of what people will say about my story if I share it, I'm scared about hurting people around me if I do, right? Like the shame, the trauma, the guilt, all that stuff that gets in your way of having the impact you know you you want to have and can have, like that's why I wrote this book. I wrote this book because I want to help unlock the story inside of you that's waiting to be told. So that you can experience the transformational impact in your business, but also in your life and see just how much you can help someone else out there to hear it. I, I get, obviously I would say that, right? I wrote this book, but trust me, it is not the same energy that I'm going to wrote my first book where I just couldn't be bothered to talk about it. At this point in time, I cannot wait to talk to you about this book. If you've got a podcast, reach out to me. I'd love to get on it and, and share more. If you know someone who's got a podcast, I'd love to share. But for now, if you've been inspired or touched or moved in any way by any of the content I made over the years and if you just want to say a small simple huge thank you to me the way you can do this is by purchasing a book today and sharing this with your friends and colleagues on your social media by email saying hey Mark's new book is out and I'd love for you to get a copy it's a great gift that keeps on giving it's a stocking filler perfect for this Christmas season but also it's a great way to start 2023 with almost like a new you, but same story, but new you, right? Just a new relationship. So again, I'll, I'll repeat one more last time. The way you do that is go over to glowinthedarkbook.com. Click on the link. It will automatically take you to the amazon.co.uk website where you can buy my book. The audiobook is available. The paperback is available. And purchase the book today, if you can, between 12 p.m. and 1 p.m. GMT. Then that's fantastic. And if you want to win a, a potential two tickets to my sold out book launch that's happening tonight in London, then make sure to buy your copy, whether it's one copy or a hundred, you're in, you're in it the same way. Um, you send me that a screenshot over at info at the unconventionalists.com and uh, we'll announce the winner by 3 p.m. But you've got to submit it by 2 p.m. Cool. And. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. This feels so surreal. This is a moment I want to cherish. I hopefully will remember this day for a long time. Tomorrow, it's my granny's 96th birthday. And there's something that's quite cool about the fact that I want to help people more capture the stories because I get to ask my granny questions on almost a daily basis about her life story. I, I haven't been able to capture it yet. She won't allow me to record them. I wish I could. But God, what I would give to be able to have the stories of my grandparents, my great-grandparents, to know who they were, what they went through, what shaped them, and to understand better from where I come from. And I would love for my book to help you do that, for you to share your story in some capacity, whether that's just with your family members or with the world. I'm not attached to how you do it. Just the fact of owning it and sharing it could have a tremendous ripple effect, both for you and those around you. So that's my wish and intention for you. So Let's prove that David and Goliath is possible. Let's go and take on the big dogs. Michelle Obama, Simon Sinek, and um, uh, Stephen Bartlett. It's not personal. 
I love you all. I actually admire all your work. I think you're all doing incredible things. But today, it's time to glow in the dark. It's time for you to shine a spotlight on what you believe in and what matters so that people can know about the great work that you do. And I hope and know this book will achieve just that. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I will keep you posted if we manage to hit this crazy goal of making Glow in the Dark a number one bestseller today. I love you, appreciate you, and here's to your story that you're about to tell and share with the world. I can't wait. Before we wrap it up today, as promised, I wanted to share with you the official book trailer of my new book, Glow in the Dark, that's coming out today. And I'm incredibly proud of this video that we created with Ed Espinoza. It's available to watch on www.glowinthedarkbook.com forward slash trailer. I really recommend you watch it because I think it's a pretty cool video, but shy of that, you can listen to the audio that I've extracted for you right now. Hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think. I can't wait to hear from you. Roald Dahl once said, somewhere inside all of us is the power to change the world. I believe that power is your ability and courage to share your story. The problem is, most entrepreneurs and business leaders don't see how powerful their story is. If they did, they wouldn't be sitting on it. And yet, everyone has a life story that is valuable and meaningful. And owning and sharing that story with people in a genuine and authentic way is one of the most transformative commitments for your life and business. But let's face it, for most people, the idea of putting yourself out there to raise your profile for the world to see is scary as hell. If people see you, then they might judge you. Yet your story is the key to standing out from the crowd and has the power to change the trajectory of someone's life. That's why I wrote my new book, Glow in the Dark. This book is your roadmap to coming home to your story, to unpack it, shape it, and share it so the world pays attention. Do me a favor. Do not go to your grave with your song unsung and experience the freedom and success that comes from having nothing to hide.